Hey, Deborah, how are you? Good, good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks. Nice. Uh, feeling refreshed after taking some time off over Christmas and uh, had a little trip to Kerry there with my girlfriend as well for two nights. So nice. Yeah. Kerry's always lovely any time of the year, I think, isn't it? Like even if it's rain and it's really lovely down there. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it to be sunny at all. And it was absolutely piss and rain the whole weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally a storm on Saturday and like 40 kilometer hour winds and everything. But oh, I, wow. I actually love being by the beach, um, going for walks in that kind of weather. I don't know. I always feel like just calm in it for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, it's it's moody weather as well. I actually I did a meditation this morning and in it, I was saying how um, I remember years ago, I read a book somewhere and it was talking about like the effects of the weather mm -hmm. on us. And, um, and I can't remember which direction I think it could be like a is it like a northern or a westerly um when it blows from whichever angle it's coming from basically has a tendency to like really affect the mood and make us really frustrated and you can see when it's real whippy and wild out like people's frustrations and their energy is a lot higher mm -hmm. yeah definitely I think a lot of it for me goes back to when I was younger I spent a lot of time in Connemara like my parents said I was we'd go up there like at least once or twice a year and just a lot of good memories of walking on the beach in like November and it's freezing cold and windy, but you know, it's just good memories spending time with my parents and stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Um, how was your uh, Christmas and New Year's? I was ill. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was quite sick for it. I had a bit of a stomach bug and then I had a, a bit of a flu. I was actually, I was doing a parasite cleanse because I like the idea of doing like a parasite cleanse, like maybe once a quarter or once every maybe six months or something. And it's only a new thing that I've been kind of looking at. But um, because I had the stomach bug, I was like, right, it's time to do a parasite cleanse like immediately after Christmas. And I had, I'm pretty sure what's called the Herxmer reaction. Have you ever heard of this before? No, I haven't heard of it. So Herxmer reaction is basically it's when you're doing a part because we all have parasites. We have parasites and worms like we all have them. Mm -hmm. um and years ago if you actually talk to like a lot of the older generation they would have done a lot of parasite cleanses like literally at the turn of the season like um, kind of thing or yeah well it could be a number of different they might have done worming or they might have done fasting or they could have you know taken different kind of herbal remedies and stuff like that for it but it's just they were so much more in touch with nature and with natural healing then than we are now Mm -hmm. And it's something that's definitely, I feel, kind of gotten lost as we've gone along. But uh, yeah, so I decided I was like, right, it's time for parasite cleanse. And I was like cinnamon and cloves. And um, I had like all my my teas were like all herbal. And then it was like turmeric and my rice. And then I was doing like apple cider vinegar before my meals. And I was taking like wormwood and black walnut. I was doing everything. <laughs> And then, yeah, I think I just did too much too soon. So my body had like a parasite die off, which basically gives you like flu, cold symptoms, headaches, fever, chills, the whole lot. So that was my excitement <laughs> over Christmas. Yeah, I think a lot of people were were sick. Like my granny got COVID and a few people that I'm working with at the moment, they got COVID or they were really sick or like one of my best friends was really sick on Christmas Eve and we couldn't even meet up for for it you know so but um yeah it's just how it is I suppose oh, so yeah it's a really interesting topic of how like 
you can use, you know, um, cause I, I studied, I was kind of obsessed with nutritional biochemistry for a while. So really digging deep into, you know, how do you support your body at the cellular level, mm. you know, everything that it needs, um, and stuff like turmeric and things like that are, you know, spices in general tend to be quite anti-inflammatory and, and help, you know, they're good for, um, uh, oh, I can't think of the, the word, but just good overall to help, you know, with your immune system. Um, and, you know, it has a huge impact, you know, what you put into your body, you know, how it's, how you're going to feel. Um, and there's a lot of different things you can do for, for your immune system. Um, but like I can just rant about that for a long time. I wrote like a really short ebook for all my clients on like nine steps to support your immune system. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I just send that out to everybody instead of sending them a big long voice note on WhatsApp or I know, yeah, having to repeat it over and over again. That's where those little freebies come in handy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um yeah, sure. Yeah, it's it's like it's interesting because I would have when I was doing all the various different bits and pieces, like I love chai. So I was in India and I love chai and mm -hmm. basically I was making a chai every day. But I didn't think for me, I didn't think the the spices that we use here tend to not have the same potency because one, they're mass produced, you mm -hmm. know, two, they're probably been chemically treated, I would imagine in some way, shape or form. Three, they're grown really quickly so that the potency of the herb is actually not as strong in the um, in the plant or in the herbs as well. So I kind of was like, oh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. But no, I got my backside kicked. So, yeah, the, so. the term I was trying to think of was an antioxidant that's what yes. a lot of spices are they have antioxidant properties you know so but um how are you feeling now back to 100 or 80 or where would you say you're? yeah i'm kind of back i feel like i'm back but i haven't like come back into my body yet because i feel like my body was quite traumatized through the whole thing to be honest with you um like there was one night that I was like, oh, my God, do I have septicemia? Do I need to go to the hospital? Like, <laughs> no. I was like, I don't think I want to go to the hospital. But um, so I feel like physically I'm back, but energetically I've just yet to kind of like come back in fully. Yeah, I think everything comes back in stages, you know, like a lot of the the nine things I mentioned that in, in the immune system ebook. The first one is just improving your sleep so that you can get your energy levels up. And then the thing, the big thing with training is, to do more of what's called deload training. So you're essentially training at like 50% of intensity. So literally what feels like a five out of 10 difficulty mm. level. And you basically cut everything in half. So if you normally did like a 40 minute workout, now you do a 20 minute workout and it actually helps support your body to, you know, recover faster, gets your energy up for a little bit. I think most importantly though, when you're sick, it helps improve your mental health score for, even if just if it's a few hours, it helps bring it up and bring mm. your stress levels down. Um, so you can actually support your recovery by doing a little bit of exercise or workout. But it's really important you're staying at that five out of 10, you know, because yeah. um, if you did a 10 out of 10, you're just giving your body more fatigue that it has to deal with. And then it takes longer to recover, you know, so that's a big part of recovering and, you know, just giving yourself the time you need as well to, you know, get back to hundred percent is important. You know, I love that because, so I've been doing since uh, September, October, I've been doing strength training nice. Um, something I never thought I was like, see me a gym, like <laughs> lifting weights that would be like, I never thought, but I absolutely love it. Like give me that over cardio any day. <laughs> 
but it's interesting because coming up to Christmas the place that I was doing this in they changed their routine from a lot of strength to more cardio and like unless it's a bear chasing me I'm not a lover of cardio you know Um, (laughs) yeah and I but I found it was interesting because there was a couple of things going on one was I didn't I wasn't looking forward to going in anymore and I was disappointed that I was no longer looking forward to going in and I had no control over change in my routine because it's like a, a a group thing that we do and that made me want to like bow out so psychologically I had started to weaken which was interesting and then the next part that my body was already starting to feel I actually found the high intensity workouts was affecting my period I had two very distorted periods when I was doing these. So I actually had decided already to cut back on the amount that I was doing because I knew they were affecting my periods. Um, so it's mad to see now on reflection, there was so many things going on. Like I was trying to honor myself and push myself at the same time, but because I didn't have full control over it, I couldn't do it at my speed. And it's literally like everything went, you know, um, but I actually would have loved to have been able to take my foot off the 50% and keep going rather than take it off completely because now I haven't gone back yet and it's probably what two three weeks and I'm like oh my god dread you know but that's quite interesting with the you know if you're doing your own schedule to be able to take your foot off at your own pace not have to keep up with everybody else yeah for sure that's really important and such an important point about you know if you notice any difference in your cycle you know your your cycle is literally the the main thing when it comes to showing how healthy you are you know and you see it so often in female athletes that they actually lose their cycle either completely or they lose it for the length of time that they're doing a really intense amount of training whether you know like you could use a a female olympic athlete for example you know a lot of um a lot of women will lose their uh, cycle for the whole four-year training period up to the olympics and it's only when they reduce not all but when they reduce some of that fatigue and the stress and the huge you know psychological impact that it's having on them that both the coaches are placing on them and they're placing on themselves that their cycle comes back and Mm. then a lot of their blood markers will be more normal and then they'll start getting a regular cycle or period again um you know so it's you know i think if you care about female health whether you're a coach or just if you're female yourself, you know, you really have to respect your cycle. That's like the number one thing that's going to tell you whether, you know, you're healthy or not. So, yeah, that's, I think a big thing that a lot of people miss, especially if you're doing a group environment, like is the, are you doing big classes or, or like how many people would you say there's there? Um, it depends on the, I normally go at about seven o'clock in the morning. So it depends on, you know, who's up at Fair seven play. o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Uh, it could be like two or three or four and it could be mm-hmm. six or eight you know but generally it'd be kind of a yeah. anywhere from maybe four or six people but mm-hmm. it's it's more like it's definitely a lot of me mm-hmm. pushing myself mm-hmm. um because but it's it's interesting because when I started doing this and it had been years like since I had even moved my poor body like my poor body mm-hmm. um and when I first started doing the strength training one of the first things I noticed was like, so first of all, my own, I, I was doing it not for weight loss, not that that was going to be a good side effect, but I was doing it more so for mental resilience because I, I do a lot of, as you know, like a lot of the work that I do is kind of like emotional, um, spiritual 
it's more energetic. Um, so for me, I had done a lot of the mental and emotional stuff, but not the mental physical stuff. Yeah. For sure. And there is a difference between the mental emotional stuff and the mental physical stuff. So for me, I wanted the resilience and the push through, you know, um, but I definitely noticed it was maybe about my second month in and I was like doing the I never know the names of them you know the weight where it goes across your hips like the two the big bar huge massive the hip thrust through your hip thrust that's it yeah yeah and okay. I was doing that and I was like Call I was like why is this so much more difficult and I was being re I'm a Virgo son I was being so hard on myself I was getting really annoyed with myself and of course mentally the more annoyed and the more frustrated, the weaker then you get, like your body literally reacts immediately to it. And um, and then I realized it was to do with my period. So it's like the week before my period, my energy levels just literally drop and I can't lift as much as I normally could. So mm. it's a great physical way to get up close and personal with your cycle as a woman, you know? Yeah, it's really important. That's why I have like a menstrual cycle ebook for everyone that I work with just to show how the specifics of each part are each phase you know and like you could talk about this for hours but the very quick synopsis of it is like you've got your follicular phase luteal phase and each phase is actually broken into early and late and generally uh you've got you you will have a lot more strength in the first half of your cycle cognitively cognitively you'll feel better you'll have more focus you'll feel more motivated you'll just feel better overall and generally in the middle of your cycle is when you'll feel like you're you know you're a queen you're literally like number one you're on top of the world and then uh as you get towards the end of your cycle because estrogen and progesterone and testosterone drops off it goes the opposite way completely how strong you are will drop a lot like i've seen when i used to work with people like one-to-one -one in the gym in dublin um i'd see like a 30 to 50 percent drop in strength like if someone could do five push-ups before, you know, they literally be struggling to do one and it could only be like a week and a half after they've just done five push-ups and be like, what the hell was wrong with me? And mm. I'd be like, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just, this is the part of this, your cycle that you're in. And, you know, you just need to be easier on yourself and be like, okay, this is not, this is temporary. It's like the strength is going to come back. It's just because, you know, your hormones have dropped and you just need to take it easy this week you know so it's really important to I think mentally it has more of a beneficial effect when it's like you can take a deep breath and be like oh it's not me it's just my cycle yeah and I you know I yeah. I think that's so important and it's definitely it's one of the things when I because we connected over Instagram and I'd seen you talking about um kind of women's health side of things and the psychology side of it um and it, for me, it was interesting to see a guy talking about it from that angle, because your initial reaction is like, well, what does he know? Like, what does you know? he know? <laughs> what does he know? from everybody. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but you did know. And in fairness, like the, you could tell by the language, you could tell by the way you were speaking as well, that you did know what you were talking about. But I definitely feel that it's something that has, as I myself have moved to a more uh, intuitive life or a more... Uh, a life that's based more on my natural rhythms as much as I can possible um I definitely feel that that's it's just so important that's why I'm saying I didn't I wasn't going specifically for weight loss mine was much more to do with my mental kind of side of things um but I definitely feel like having a male coach who knows what he's talking about from the female side it's 
it's really important. Like it's, you know, if you're going to coach women, you really need to understand the cycle. You need to understand their limitations. And even for me, like I would have loved somebody to go, you know, what phase are you in your cycle are you Debs? And I'd be like, oh, I'm just coming up from a period. And they'd be like, whisper. oh yeah, you know, whisper, whisper, you know. Uh, whereas they know now they'll come in and be like, why aren't you picking up your weights? And I'd be like, it's that time of the month. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know? I know. Yeah, it's it's funny like how awkward, you know, some people can can be about it. But as I said earlier, it's like, if you actually care about a woman's health, this is the number one thing that you're going to ask about, you know, so it's really important like the, the quicker we can get rid, rid of all the awkwardness and just be like this is how it is how do we give you more support like mm. and it, that's like it, I think that's the most empowering thing to do is just have a same as anything just having an open conversation about it you know because that's how we move forward with anything but um, yeah. you mentioned how it, it's yeah go ahead no, I was going to say, but it's also to the fact there's a huge amount of women don't know about their cycle. Do you know, as women, we're not, you know, I remember in primary school, um, I'll never forget in primary school, we must have been maybe fifth or sixth class. It was probably fifth class. And uh, this woman came in and all the boys emptied out of the room. And we were like, what is going on here? And it was the woman who came to have the talk about your period. And we were like, oh, oh OK, well, you're a little bit late on that one. But um. <laughs> But it was like it was so it was done like so awkwardly and it's done so hush hush. So even though it was done in a respectful way, and I'm an 80s baby. So even though it was it was a respectful way, there's still like this, you know, oh God, we better not talk about that in front of the boys. Yeah. Um, but a huge amount of women, we don't know about our cycle. You know, we don't know how it works. We don't know the ins and outs of it. We don't know how it affects our mood. We don't know how it affects our food choices. We don't know how it affects our mental ability. And like when we work in, um, I'm not going to go on a big feminist tangent because I'm not on that kind of, not a big feminist-y. All men are bad. <laughs> no, do you know what? There's the toxic feminist and then there's like the human feminist. I'm one of those ones. Um, <laughs> but like when we're looking at things like that, I just think it's so important that we get to the point of like, it's part of your cycle. Like it's part of who you are you know but why why are we not being taught about it because it's huge and we live in a world then that we're kind of like we have to be the same as men but we're not I'm mm -hmm. sorry ladies we're not you know we're not. yeah like men and women are biologically different yeah uh, that's good and we should celebrate the differences that both men and women have and how at the end of the day you know men and women complement each other you know it's not you know men or women are better than you know women are not better than men or vice versa you know um so yeah it's a really interesting conversation and um I was going to say earlier how like um you mentioned that it was easier to kind of look at the emotional side or the mental side but when it comes to the physical side it was more difficult and um I I read this book before called King Warrior Magician Lover and it's about the four kind of main archetypes that we all have and it's basically how we all have we basically have four aspects to us as humans spiritual mental physical and emotional and if you do at least one thing for each aspect you can be nearly guaranteed that you're probably going to feel really good or close to the best that you could so you have to like address kind of each area individually um and that's why you know i really wanted to you know chat with you and it was really interesting the last conversation we had as well um and how you know we can dig more into the spiritual side of things because like astrology and you know healing is a, a really 
interesting thing but I think a lot of people look at it as like woo woo or <laughs> they're not open to it and I'd say that was me probably like maybe before I did counseling and therapy probably about three or four years ago I was like oh woo woo you know but as I think as you mature and get older you're kind of more open to things um so yeah it'd be really interesting to you know hear kind of what we can do and if he wants to do like an astrology session with me to give like anyone watching or listening an idea of what it could be and might come up with some funny or interesting things so you can use me as a as an example yeah we can do that I love it like the astrology I'm a very I'm a very practical woo-woo kind of person um I don't fit into the fluffy feathers and floaty mm-hmm. dresses category and I don't fit into the mainstream wear a suit and work at a desk you know side of life either I'm kind of somewhere in the middle I would see myself as a bit of a bridge between the two um like I love psychology, I love philosophy, I love the bigger picture and kind of perspective and understanding the world and like why we're here, what we're meant to be doing and all that kind of side of it. Um, a lot of what I'm into is like I'm laughing. I'm like I'm into herbal medicine, says your own with like <laughs> <laughs> all the essential oils and back remedies. You're so like pharmacy. <laughs> and my yeah, like that's my Virgo. Virgo is all about healing and it's all about natural healing as well. So while what I do is the woo, it's very much down to earth kind of practical stuff because, you know, I, I kind of feel if we've got a physical body, you know, we're not meant to be trying to escape it all the time to be hovering three foot off the ground with a perma smile. Um, and that's it just that it makes I feel like the pop spiritual cultural side of things has gotten to a glass ceiling. And I think the glass ceiling has gotten to the point of and this is one of my core foundations of what I work with is if you keep trying to fix yourself constantly and you keep ending up back at the start, what does that tell you? It tells you that there's nothing broken. Um, so really what we need to do is stop fixing ourselves because it's actively rejecting ourselves, and we need to start understanding more about who we are and just start working with what we've been given. Um, but so much of so much of what we've been given we just reject it we're like oh I don't like that I don't like that part of me so I'm just going to cut that out and just get rid of it and I I want to be like Joe up the road or I want to be like Mary three cubicles down or whatever um and when I start looking at things astrologically it's just not you know like you're not Mary and you're not Joe you know um and it's really beautiful because the astrology, what astrology does it's not the predictive you're going to be a millionaire and have 20 babies astrology um oh, you're tell me i'm gonna win the lotto tomorrow or something <laughs> i can tell you but it, it'll happen if you believe it um <laughs> the astrology i do is much more based on looking at who you are why you're here what you're meant to be doing with your life the direction that you're actually that you came here to go um your strengths and talents and your weaknesses your unique wounding that you came in here to experience as well and it's incredibly powerful it sounds like you know it sounds like, well, why would I need to know all them if I know that myself already? But it's like, do you, do you really know that? You know, um, so what the astrology is, it's just great for being able to like hone in on things. It's amazing. Yeah, no, it sounds really good. And um, when you were talking about stuff there, just I was thinking of I've been reading a lot more about like Jungian psychology over the last kind of uh, year or so. And I'm doing a lot more shadow work myself. So it's really interesting that's kind of you kind of mentioned the shadow element of people it's like a lot of people have traits that 
are things they don't like about themselves. So they kind of push that away and you're essentially pushing it into your shadow or into the unconscious part of your brain, but it's still there and it's still guiding your behaviors. An easy example to understand is like, if you're ever in the car with someone and you're driving down the road and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, they just start raging, like proper road rage at someone in front of them, beeping the horn, like that's their shadow coming out. So that's a sign that they haven't owned or they don't understand where their anger comes from. So then they project it out onto mm -hmm. some poor guy in his car in front who was probably doing something, but wasn't paying attention, you know? So that's kind of a, an easy thing to understand, but yeah, I think astrology is probably like a, a nice, easy way for a lot of people to maybe dig a bit deeper into either their shadow or their ego or their persona or to understand more of what their authentic self is. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's interesting. And it's very much a tool for, you know, what's so, so interesting about it when you start to look at it. When I look at an astrological chart and then at your natal chart, your birth chart, your astrological chart, they're all the same thing. It's lit, literally like a snapshot of the sky the moment that you were born. And what it's doing is it's showing how each of the planets in each of the astrological signs are in dialogue with each other. And it just gives us all these archetypal energies like what we're talking about. Um, but in a horoscope, in, a, in somebody's birth chart, I can see what their parents are like. I can see what they're siblings are like what did they got on with them didn't get on with them you know what your dogs are like what your relationship is like what your work is like your career you know it shows everything everything and it's endless like you can keep looking and keep looking and you'll keep finding and it's it's so personal that if I read your chart to somebody else and went bop, 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 they'd be like no that's not me mm -hmm. if I read your chart to you you'd be like oh my god that's me right so why is that important? It's important that when we look at parts of the, the chart and we see that like, you know, the mum and dad relationship, because if you're studying Jungian psychology, you know, a lot of stuff goes back a lot, if not all, unfortunately, goes back to mom and dad, you know, um, and that's what we're we're trying to like evolve more consciously so that we can break down you know do the work that our parents weren't able to do <clears throat> but what's interesting is you start to see like certain relationships that you'd have with your parents you came here to have those relationships like one way or the other you're going to have some element of that relationship and so now people can start to see oh so it's not because I'm a bad person and it's not because you know I'm a terrible human and it's not because I'm destined to have bad luck or it's not because of whatever it's because it's in your chart and in some way shape or form whatever your belief system is you've come here to have that experience now you can choose to either stay victim of it and still and, and kind of stay in that feeling of like oh woe is me or you can choose to see like what is the purpose behind this you, and might, how have just, you might have just triggered a lot of people by saying that <laughs> That's how it is. And if I'm triggering you, then come talk to me because then there's something exactly. in that. You, know? you need to do a session. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But um, but the beauty of it is, is that when you start and, and this is the thing, like I've been here, <clears throat> excuse me, myself as well. Like I was totally in life where things were happening to me. Everything was happening to me. And then eventually it got to the point in my life and it took a big ass Hollywood style drama to pull the rug from underneath me. And then for me to kind of be like, OK, what is the purpose and point behind this? So when we keep having like repetitive experiences, 
in that there's actually like a little nudge of like pay attention to me what's the what's the repetitive experience what is it asking of us to pay attention to and the louder the experience the more um the intense the experience or the more frequent the experience the more it's asking for you to pay attention to it um and that's where the astrology helps you to figure out like what is it that's asking for my attention so then you can start to see okay well instead of it happening to you you can flip it on its head and take back control and now use that information as something that you can own and as something that you can use. And that's the beauty of astrology for me when I'm working with people anyway. Nice. Sounds good. Yes. Yeah, the same, like when I'm working with people, it's like if somebody has pain in their knee, I'm like, that's a sign from your body that you probably need to either stop doing what you're doing right now. You need to change something or we need to figure out like why exercises work well for you what rehab work do you need to do? What stretching do you need to do? Maybe you need to do more like ice baths, maybe more warm stuff. Like there's like, it's, it's a sign that you need to change something or do something different. So yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Have um, you, have you ever, um, have you ever done any work with body talk? Uh, no. What's up? Oh, this is something that you should definitely take a look into. You might like if you like the Jungian stuff and you like the kind of flip side of, of how things are. Um, so there's a book by Deb Shapiro called Body Talk. OK. Um, there's also another book called Metaphysical Anatomy and it's a tome. It's absolutely huge. It's massive and it's an amazing book and it's expensive, but it's worth it. Um, and it's basically like the medical metaphysical um causes and reasons behind illnesses now this is where people might just jump off and be like okay well done Debs but yeah. it's really so interesting so um for argument's sake uh, in traditional Chinese medicine uh they have what's called a body clock mm-hmm. and the body clock relates to different times that relate to different organs and the different organs relate to different emotions right Does that off your circadian rhythm or I'm not sure what way they do it. Um, I don't have, a, I normally have a copy of it right beside me and I could show it to you, but it's, um, if you literally look up TCM body clock, you'll be able to see it. So when a client comes to me, one of the first things I ask them is like, you know, are you sleeping well? And if they generally say no, um, and they say between one and three o'clock, it's usually connected to the liver between uh, three and five, it's connected to the lungs. Generally, if it's connected to the liver, there's like an irritation, frustration, or there's like hot emotions that have been built up. If it's connected to the lungs, it's usually to do a grief and sadness or like emotional loss of some sort. Um, and I have yet to use this um, method and it not work like nine times out of ten. It's it's right. Mm-hmm. So that's one way that you can listen to your body. But another way with the Deb Shapiro book, the body talk and the metaphysical anatomy it's fascinating because it's actually telling you how your body is speaking to you so if you have an issue going on with your hips generally it's to do with something so if you've like pelvic issues or like stiff hips or whatever it can be to do with like not moving forward or the inability to move forward in your life because that's what your hips are doing right um lower back issues are generally to do with like money pay money problems um you know, if your eyesight or your ears, what are you not listening to or what do you not want to hear? What do you not want to see? Or um, the throat tends to be about, you know, people who get a lot of laryngitis and sore throats like that are frequent, not just necessarily one off. It's a lot to do with like not speaking your voice, not speaking your truth. Or there's something that you're not able to say. 
the, the body physically talks to us, which is just so yeah. interesting. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I was thinking that uh, sounds similar to what uh, Gabor Mate mentioned a lot in um, When the Body Says No of how, because it talks a lot about how, you know, your experiences in your younger can really have a huge effect on it. Like an example would be, I've worked with a good few people who have fibromyalgia um, and, you know, a lot, the common tendency with a lot of people who have fibromyalgia and experience a lot of pain is they had some type of really bad emotional or verbal or some type of abuse when they're younger. And now all that stress is literally stored in their system. And it's caused that, you know, to it's, it's caused a lot of pain to go from, you know, uh, mental pain to now storing itself as, and it comes out as physical pain, you know, it manifests. That's the word I was trying to think of uh, manifests as physical pain. Mm. There's a lot of like autoimmune conditions that are rooted in like trauma from young age, which is kind of, when I heard that first, I kind of like blew my mind of how, you know, the stress you experience can manifest itself in your body. So. yeah like I so I'm a Reiki master as well and I work with like a lot of the work that I do with clients um a huge amount of the clients who come to me initially are actually coming to me for Reiki and then they might go on to the mentoring or astrology or whatever um but that's what you're working with you know with with energy healing that's actually what you're doing is you're you're essentially unknotting and releasing energy that's been trapped and stored Mm-hmm. um and the way that I normally explain it to people is if you've got long hair and you don't brush your hair you're going to get mats and you're going to get knots and you're going to end up with a nice beehive in your head but and the same thing with our emotions you know we're not shown how to how to process or how to deal with challenges or life or emotions and we go oh yeah I'll do it when I go home I'll do it and then you go home and then you have to do the food and the kids and then you go to bed and then the next day comes and you've forgotten about it and you don't want to go back there you know um and it does it gets stored and literally it's the body talking to you it's like that child that's pulling on the leg if you don't answer the child and you look away that child is going to get louder and louder and you know it's going to start throwing a tantrum and it's the same thing your body is throwing a tantrum by the time it's processed the emotions really yeah like one of the guys that i uh, did a lot of uh body work with uh john uh john shevlin is his name he's he's amazing but he like he's told me and i've heard this from other uh you know physiotherapists and neuromuscular therapists and stuff that um you know you could have some people who would have such a release that they literally start crying mm-hmm. and like have a huge emotional release from wherever they, they store that tension so it's probably I'm not sure because I've never done Reiki. I know it's something that I would like to do. And a lot of people I've worked with have done it. But in Reiki, do you have as much of a hands-on as let's say someone doing like a deep tissue massage or how how does the energy healing actually work? You know, like what does, what does it kind of look like on practical level? Uh, well, I've had clients, every client is totally different. And, and I find most of the time when I'm working with my clients they're not like in their body yet like I know that sounds like woo woo I don't mean it like that most of us when we're stressed out and overwhelmed we're not actually hanging out in our body energetically we're hanging out in our head or we're up here because mm-hmm. uh, it's too uncomfortable being in there there's too much going on yeah. so when I'm first working with clients 
uh, I can feel very clearly that they're just they're not there like their energy feels very empty and very void because you kind of have to kind of get them back grounded again um but when you start to when you start to really shift and work with the energy yeah I'd have clients who could be bawling crying or they might be like ticking and releasing you know their body might be shaking that's not every Reiki session um so it's not like oh my god Reiki is really subtle but it's very potent um and it'll only go as deep as the client is ready to go you know I can't do something with a client that they're not yet ready to do um really all I'm doing is facilitating the release of the energy but if they're not relaxed enough if they're too guarded if they haven't yet come back into their own and like I'm you know a massive advocator of people like owning their own journey and owning their own experience and being in control of it Mm -hmm. um so I'll only work with a client at their pace and at their level but when a client is really surrendered and let go yeah it's amazing the transformation so quickly kids are an amazing example of it really yeah kids just don't question adults just go but whereas kids are like do the thing um and because there's no resistance their healing is so quick you know I could have kids with me only for very handfuls a few sessions and they'd be sorted and then they'll come back and go oh can we do this now (laughs) (laughs) yeah and do you have you worked with a lot of kids in the past or are people under 18 or or like who who would the demographic be for not tons um most of the people that I'm working with are probably maybe 35 to 45 right um because that's the point in life where we're where we're just fed up battling and doing all the things and we're like okay I'm ready to do the work now and the kids that are coming to me generally they could be with me like a lot of it would be say insomnia they're not sleeping very well and usually that's because they're worried or because they're stressed out about something they could be picking up the energy of the family and um they're internalizing it and they don't know they don't the the vocab the language to be able to communicate it Mm -hmm. which is why reiki is amazing for kids because they can't articulate what's going on so it tends to come out in the body um so insomnia digestive issues headaches and migraines um focus and attention usually can be a lot to do with stress as well can be to do with stress that's going on with siblings and stuff in the family as well um what else Anger. general aches and pains like physical aches and pains as well they might come in with mm-hmm. um again that's just holding on in the body so yeah different things but they could be any age like i've worked on kids as young as seven or eight up to you know 18 16 14 12 yeah really interesting because i know when i was younger now i know i can put a label on it and like now I, i'm very in tune with my body i'm like oh i feel anxious right now i feel stressed i feel sad i feel happy but when i was younger looking back i know like my anxiety was like through the roof a lot of the time and felt depressed a lot of the time and like even going back to being seven years old or eight years old but at the time I didn't know it was anxiety that I was feeling you know I didn't want to walk through a crowd of teenagers who were in my school I was just like oh I'm scared or you know I'm you know useless or you know whatever and then that in itself causes a lot of like resentment or anger and then it's like you don't and then you don't even have a positive way to deal with it because 
you know, you're seven or eight. So it's like that just stores up and then, you know, ends up coming out when you're older. You know, for me, it was like when I was 22 or 23, you know, but still at the time, because I was unconscious, all, all of those experiences had just built up and it was just like, oh, I'm just angry a lot of the time, you know, I have a chip on my shoulder. And it's only yeah. when you go through therapy and you work on yourself, you know, you realize like, oh, it was just, I was a child and I didn't know. That's yeah, there's no happened. language for it. Yeah. 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 So, and so. it's like, I find as well, this it's hard because there's a couple of things going on. Like if a kid is struggling, the first thing the parents are going to do is blame themselves or blame somebody else, right? Depending on the parents. What's wrong? Um, yeah. <laughs> Get over and, it. <laughs> and like, it's, you know, really we're at a point, I think in human history where, where mm-hmm. our generation and kind of the last couple of generations are the ones that are really doing the conscious work. We're really, really coming into a point of where we can look at ourselves objectively and do the work. Mm-hmm. Our parents didn't have those tools. So while if you look at like Freudian or Jung and psychology and it all goes back to the parents and, you know, that's like the pop way of looking at that is it's all the parents fault. But actually, that's not how we need to look at it. We need to look at it and go, the parents didn't have the tools. They didn't have the freedom of speech. They didn't have the freedom of thought that we're allowed today. Um, you know, it's not that long ago people were burnt at the stake for having conversations like what we're having. So. Mm-hmm. In fairness to the parents, they didn't have the tools. So like I would have, I was bullied really badly in school. Um, well, what I considered really badly anyway, I suppose, maybe not compared to other people. But oh, like that, I, well, so. like I didn't know, I didn't, like my dad was a hypnotherapist later in life, but even I didn't have the words to be able to say like, you know, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling lonely, I'm feeling like, you know, picked on or, so I think, when we do the conscious work ourselves, it actually translates to the kids and the kids get it so much quicker. You'll see it in kids nowadays as well. Yeah, for sure. I think the next generation is going to be so much better off because like the a big term that I got from Gabor Mate was like generational trauma of how, you know, our parents were traumatized from what their parents went through and that they were traumatized from what their parents went through. And, you know, a lot of like little behaviors and mannerisms and things get passed from grandparents to parents to their to their kids so it's like the more conscious you become of it or the more therapy you do or the more open you are to just asking yourself like oh why did I say that thing why did I behave that way why do I feel how I do now you know you ask yourself those questions it's very powerful and then you know the next generation of kids would be not as messed up as us <laughs> I know can you imagine in the future what it'll eventually be like we'll have like finally done the work you know um yeah. I'm reading a book at the moment called astrology of fate mm-hmm. um and it's quite interesting because it's actually talking about li- like literally that like the the like are is a free will is it fate you know and if you can see your astrology is it free will is it fate and then looking at generational trauma because you can see that in a birth chart as well in astrology in astrology mm-hmm. um you can see kind of things that are brought in that are and especially if you look at like a child's chart and then the parents chart and then the grandparents chart you'll actually see a lot of similar astrological patterns and you can see what's been kind of passed down now that's not necessarily something that I work with but it's very fascinating to look at but like that like we're getting to clear so much of the collective trauma that has gone on for years you know 
it's an amazing period of time that we're actually in and it's a it's a privilege to get the to do it it doesn't feel like that when you're going through you know you're being dragged through backwards kicking and screaming but yeah. if you can learn to to own it it's all about owning it if you can learn to own it and turn what was your challenge into an opportunity oh my god what like the opportunities that you can have are just huge you know yeah for sure it's very empowering when you take the power back and don't let it you know have it let like something like grief or anger or whatever the emotion is if you give that all the power then you feel terrible but if you take it back and own it then like it feels feels great so yeah mm. um do you want to do um uh, uh i don't know what you got a reading for me or some, <laughs> go through some astrology for me you or can take a look i think i might have your chart from before and have a look because we only did like a, a little bit of it right so we I'd... did yeah um and if you want to um i can give you host permission where you can if you want to share yeah your... do yeah i'll have a look for it here and then okay cool um so yeah have you there 19th of may isn't it yeah that's it okay so i'm going to make you a host and then you should be able to share your screen now this is going to be very rough and ready because i i wasn't i wasn't prepared but it's fine cool so this is you <laughs> So oh, so, it looks so complicated from my my point of view because I don't have a clue what's going on right now. <laughs> so, this, so this is basically you. Are you complicated? <laughs> We're all complicated, don't worry. Yeah, in some ways. Um, <laughs> so it's really cool. So the moment that you were born, this is what was going on in the sky right so actually what we're looking at is this line across the center is like the horizon okay so you've got the top of the chart and the bottom of the chart if you can kind of for those who are watching my cursor on the screen you'll know what I'm talking about um and then what you'll actually see is that all these ones on the outside these are all the zodiac signs so what people know as like oh I'm a Virgo or I'm a Pisces or Taurus or whatever that we're actually every single sign, but it's just that the sun sign is in a particular sign. And that's the one that we, we say I'm Virgo or Taurus or whatever. Um, we're also all of the planets. So you're not just your sun sign. You're actually a Mercury and Venus and Mars and Neptune and Uranus and the whole lot. When we look at a chart and um, there are these little pizza slices. And these little pizza slices are, for all intents and purposes, like little, like they're like the areas of our life, the different areas of our life. So some people will say to me, oh, but Deborah, I've got no planets in this one or in this one or, or in this one. Does that mean there's nothing going on there? Absolutely not, because you've still got one of the zodiac signs on it. So um, basically, we, we're all this is like your your cosmic fingerprint as such, your blueprint. This is kind of basically who you are. So. To not go completely over people's heads. Um, all these little gifts here, all the planets. So you, your son is in Taurus, which means you're a Taurus. Mm -hmm. You're born during the daytime. The sun is in the top part of the sky. So it means that you probably relate, qu relate quite strongly to your Taurus. For people who are born at nighttime, they might say, oh, I'm a Taurus, but I don't feel like a Taurus. And it's probably because they've been born at nighttime. So they'll resonate more with their moon sign. Um, so your moon is in the sign of Virgo. So we would have said the last time when we were chatting, I'm a Virgo son, so I totally get the Virgo stuff. 
Virgo is um, most known for being like a bit of a perfectionist, but it's not always like OCD perfectionist. It's it's quite often a perfectionism of the self, mm-hmm. um, or at least they can see in other people how to perfect things, and they may not necessarily do it for themselves. So it can be a perfectionist in lots of different ways. Yeah, Virgos are really analytical. They are like. Virgos are the ones that take the information in, they pull it apart, they see like, oh, I can make that better. It's always you can make it better and then put it back together in a way that's really efficient and effective and really practical and of service to other people. So the big thing with, with Virgo is they want to be of service, like they have to be of service. It's like why they came here. Yeah. Does that yeah. resonate? Well, it makes sense because like holistic health coaching is literally my business and yeah, it's like I want to have as big of a positive impact on as many people as possible before I die, you know, which hopefully won't be for a long time. Um, but I completely get the <laughs> the analytical side as well, because anything that I've ever done, going back as, as young as I can remember, I've always been like obsessive with things. So when I when I played rugby, I was obsessive with like rugby games and knowing every single player and knowing all their names and everything. It's the same with playing golf when I was a teenager or going to the gym or learn about nutrition or psychology or literally everything I've ever done. It's like become obsessive for me. So I have to now a challenge for me is like, okay, how do I just do this thing a little bit and enjoy it and not become obsessive and burnt out, you know? So yeah, kind of made me laugh when you said that. So, so yeah. So Virgo, if you, the thing with Virgo as well is like, like I love being a Virgo, right? Because I can, when people are talking to me, I can immediately see what the issue is. I can immediately see what the problem is. I can immediately see a way of solving it. Now, this is a superpower that we have, but it's also really frustrating for people because not everybody wants to know the answer. Some people just want to wallow in their own self-pity and that is absolutely fine. They should go do that. I actually encourage people to do that for a period of time and then come out of it. Um, but But with Virgos, we're like, but that thing I just want to say to make it better because we know how to help the other person and we literally have to like part of being a Virgo is learning to be asked sometimes and not always do the doing you know um but Virgo is also ruled by Mercury Mercury is the planet of communication um Mercury is very much um because like Virgo's nervous system would be like you know highly anxious so the your baseline and my baseline of anxiety which would be here would be somebody else's top you know somebody else would be like oh I'm really really anxious now and you're like oh uh, that's like my zero (laughs) you know so we have quite a high threshold and a lot of it is simply because there's so much mental energy mercury being the planet of communication thoughts ideas concepts you know the whole everything to do with our mind and our, our how we break things apart and analyze things means our mind is on all the time and you know from working with the body if your mind is on all the time it's going to mess with your nervous system yeah puts you in a more fight or flight or um, sympathetic state basically yeah and then that in turn has an issue has a knock-on effect for the digestive system and actually virgo is virgo rules the digestive system so Virgo tends to suffer a lot from digestive issues and insomnia and things like that as well. It would be very common for um, for Virgos. So there's your Virgo moon. Now, the moon is 
more internalized so where i'm a virgo sun the sun is external we go out we see it during the day lights things up it's our vitality um your moon would be more internal so where somebody might meet me and see oh deborah might be a virgo they won't see my moon so with you they'll see oh you're a taurus when they get to know you a little bit they'll go oh you're a taurus but they won't necessarily always see your moon Mm-hmm. Um, your Libra rising. What does that mean? Libra, this little guy here, Libra rising is the same as Libra ascendant. Actually, this is the part that people meet first. So when I meet you first, I meet Libra. I don't meet Taurus uh, sun, and I don't meet your Virgo moon. Um, so when you're meeting people and you're trying to guess, oh, that's such and such a person is that sign or that sign, it might be because they've got the same ascendant as their son, because it would be unusual for you to be able to um, pick it out. So your rising sign is actually how we begin things. And it's also very much how people see us and how we see people. So it tends to be the, the lens through which you look at the world. So because you're a Libra ascendant, Libra are all about balance. It's like, oh, making decisions. I would imagine making decisions can be a little bit tricky for you sometimes because it's like trying to keep everybody happy and everything in balance and making sure everybody's heard and making sure that, that you know, if if this person had all the say, you'd be like, oh, yeah, but we'll have to like look at this to balance things up, you know, mm-hmm. um, and making decisions in general can be a bit like um, Libras can be really indecisive because they're just they're trying to do what feels there'll be almost like a feeling of something being complete or a feeling of something being right as well um does that resonate yeah well generally before making any decision I put a lot of thought on it and like an example would be when I was living in Barcelona before I moved to uh Palermo I like looked through 45, like literally all the available apartments in all of Plurmo, the whole city, and like analyze like how much is what, how much space am I getting, you know, where is the Wi-Fi good, what are the reviews like, and like spent a good few weeks figuring out what was going to be the the best decision to make before I actually went for it, so yeah and that and like for for a Libra ascendant it's like how can somebody just make this quick decision and then just do it it's like oh my god no that doesn't make any sense and so for other people who don't get and comprehend that Libra scales needing to keep the balance they might find that really frustrating you know um and this is why astrology is why I love astrology because if everybody knew their astrology they would have so much more compassion for each other knowing that this is actually a trait that they were born with um so the beauty about this is we have your ascendant is here okay and then the opposite sign from that is Aries right and the opposite sign tends to be a sign that we may or may not like early on in our life we tend to be like the opposite sign tends to be like it annoys us a little bit and frustrates us and we just don't really get it it's literally like opposites attract because what's interesting with that opposition is that that seventh the um so Libra's on the first house, Aries on the opposite on the seventh house. The seventh house is actually your relationships. And it's your one-to-one relationships, your business relationships, and your marriage or your close relationships. So mm-hmm. what's interesting is we tend to attract our opposite. They say opposites attract, and we like literally attract our opposite. Why? Because 
the things that you don't like in somebody else is usually something that you're not owning in yourself. And the reason we attract somebody who's so opposite to us that really frustrates us is because it has to annoy us first, be able to get up close and personal with it. And when we begin to own that part of ourself, we no longer need to attract people into our life to reflect that part of us that we need to own. Does that make sense? Yeah, I was actually thinking about this a lot the other day of how like, if like with my girlfriend, we're not completely opposite, but she has a lot of qualities that are opposite to me. So I was thinking like, I wouldn't be able to be whole or my authentic self if she didn't have that because that quality that she has challenges me and it makes me think about oh maybe I need to do a bit more work on this you know so yeah yeah Yeah. and so the relationships that so a Libra ascendant wants peace harmony balance they want to take everybody into consideration they want aesthetic beauty they want time it's very cerebral it's an air sign it needs like social interaction it needs to be around other people um it's very cognitive all those kind of things but then the opposite side of that as I say which is a sign we early on tend to not like or be challenged by Aries is me 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 I I I I go first to Libra that's kryptonite that's like what don't be so selfish. Like, you know, you need to let me, you know, need to let other people go first or you need to like Aries are the children that like run into the room. Everybody's watching TV and Aries runs in and changes the channel and everybody's like, what, what is going on? So Aries, because they're the baby of the Zodiac, they're the first sign that came in. They've not yet learned that other people exist in, in separate to them. So they tend to act with a me first and Libra tends to be you first. So when we have this opposition, actually what we're doing is we're drawing people into our life who probably could be quite selfish. Why? Because they're showing us as Libra as Libra Ascendant that you need to be more selfish. You need to put yourself first. You need to do you more than thinking about others all the time. Because when you do you and you heal you, then you are better equipped to be able to help and heal others. So that's what that's why we tend to draw in like selfish people at the start. And then it's like, oh, it's not that they're being selfish. They're putting themselves first. Maybe I should give that a go, you know, and then Libra Ascendant starts to put themselves first, not in a selfish way, but in a, oh, I can actually take my opinion on board rather than always considering other people so that you're not then attracting in people who take advantage of that because you're now standing in your power. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because like that's one of the most common struggles that most of the women that I work with, you know, they work full time, they have kids and they're married and they have their house and usually they're literally last on the priority list. And then their health, mental and physical and emotional health, uh, you know, suffers because they put everyone else in front of them. So Mm. and we have to, you know, I'm like being selfish a little bit is actually a good thing, because then at least if you're healthy and happy, you know then your kids see that your partner sees that and most importantly you feel good you know so yeah makes yeah sense. and what's lovely is because you've had to learn that yourself it now becomes how you become the teacher in some way shape or form and if we look at the seventh house being relationships one-to-one relationships and also business business partnerships your every client that you work with is almost like its own individual business partnership so actually what you're doing is you're showing them that access nearly you know yeah um and what's interesting as well, so the 10th house is your career and um, your kind of public reputation, how the world sees you, how the world views you and your career. 
and your MC or your 10th house um, is in the sign of cancer. Cancer is all about nurturing, caring, mothering, nurturing, nursing, um, smothering as well as mothering. You know, uh, it's a very caring, uh, watery sign. And you actually have a lot of planets in water as well. So I would imagine that the people who work with you and who are around you or who see the work that you're doing would actually see that. And, and I would say, having had, you know, the interaction that I have, I'm like, oh, I can totally see that now that you're you can see that you're a nurturer. You can see that you're a carer. You probably mother your clients in a way, I would imagine, or that you are because cancer is the sign of the mother you'll find that you have a lot of mothers, which is interesting as well. So you're working with mothers or with nurses or with people who are carers in some way, shape or form is probably what you'd be known for as well. Yeah, a lot of people I work with are like, they are mothers or SNAs or therapists, yeah. counselors, or a lot of work for a lot of nurses as well. Yeah, so. Yeah, so all the sign of the, the, that's all the sign of, of cancer as well yeah um, it's like you know i i know how it feels to feel awful and feel depressed and miserable and unconfident and anxious and so i'm like oh i don't want anyone else to feel like that you know yeah and it's interesting because cancer which is in your 10th house which is what we're talking about now is ruled by the moon and the moon is in virgo so what does virgo want to do virgo wants to take the information that it's that it's learned and make it of practical use and service to the people which is basically there's your your cancer your 10th house um your sun which is you as how you shine and your vitality um and who you are in the world is in the sign of Taurus and it's in the eighth house so what's interesting actually is that the eighth house is a hidden house so when our sun is in the eighth house um it can sometimes feel that we're hidden or that we're not seen in some way or there's something about us that's maybe not fully like um clear sometimes um but what's also beautiful about this another expression of this in the eighth house is eighth house is where we merge with other and so what does a therapist do it merges with other the eighth house is also the house of the occult anything that's taboo psychology debt death taxes um other people's finance finance any of those kind of areas and it's in the sign of taurus and the Taurus is all about the body. Um, well, a lot of it is about the body. So there's the sun sign, which is in Taurus. Anything about the senses, sight, touch, smell, sound, all that kind of side of things. So you've got um, you in the eighth house of merging and merging on an equal level, not merging here and not merging here. So like you physically working with the body and almost, I would imagine that you almost energetically are merging with your clients to get a sense of how they feel you probably can feel a lot of their pains when you're working with them which intuitively then allows you to know exactly what they need so I would imagine you just probably just know yeah well like I can tell a lot of somebody's body language or the way they speak or words that they use or you know how they act you know it's it's kind of hard to describe isn't it because that, that when you're able to read somebody's body language that's being intuitive but it's just kind of, I think, looking at it from a different way. But yeah, it makes sense. And that's because it's in the physical sign of Taurus, you know. Um, but yeah, so that kind of give you an does that kind of give you an idea. Like I could keep going. My God, I could keep going. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to know? <laughs> um, 
yeah i suppose like uh i don't know why i'm kind of drawn to or interested in what's the like the m with the arrow what's the i don't know which house that is like yeah where the that's uh that's scorpio right um scorpio is scorpio gets a bad rap but i i'm a scorpio ascendant so i have scorpio here in my chart um so i like it (laughs) i don't i i'm i'm lucky i have the softening of virgo with it um Scorpio is life, death, rebirth, transformation. It's the sign that Scorpio is the sign that um, they say Scorpio will go where angels dare not tread. So Scorpio are the ones who are talking about sex and like, you know, any of the weird, random, wonderful topics that most people don't want to talk about at a dinner table. You'll find a Scorpio talking about that just for breakfast. It's like, yeah, whatever. Um, you know, they can talk about death or any of the kind of darker, mysterious, hidden parts of and the aspects of life. Um, Scorpio are quite well versed with. Yeah. Um, as I said, Scorpio is also about life, death, rebirth, and transformation. So your sun is in the eighth house, and the eighth house uh, in contemporary astrology is a scorpionic house. So you by nature would have there would be an understanding of the kind of Scorpio energies anyway, even if you didn't have what we call the stellium of planets in in Scorpio. Um, So, excuse me, you have um, the second house is all to do with our self-worth, our self-value. It's about our possessions. It's about our kind of physical presence in the world and kind of like um if the first house is about me 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 i i i and i am born and this is who i am the second house is like where we start to learn the skills and talents where we're like separating out a little bit and figuring out like who am i like what are my values what are my what do i value and what do i place worth on plus what is my self-worth and my self-value as well so you have um you have the north what we call the north node here in the sign of Scorpio and you have the south node which would be almost conjunct on your sun what does that mean the north and south node in astrology um the south node is where we're most comfortable but least happy the north node is where we're least comfortable but most happy so south node most comfortable least happy least comfortable most happy so what does that mean south node most comfortable least happy we tend to get stuck there it's like, oh, I'm really good at this. I've spent lifetimes doing it. And um, I could just, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to kind of keep doing this. But actually, I'm not getting any fulfillment. The North Node is we've basically never come. We've come here to have this experience because we haven't had it before. And it's something that's new for us. Um, it tends to be an area that we're a bit like, I don't really want to do that. And it takes effort. And like, no. But when we do it, it feels like, yes, it just feels like a big yes, you know, big high five. Um, so if you think about all the things in your life that you're like, oh, no, I'm so not doing that. Like, and then as soon as you do, you just feel really good afterwards. That's your North Node. We've Your North Node is essentially your life mission. It's what you've come into this life to do. So it's the direction in life that you want to go. So for people who are feeling unfulfilled and it feels like Groundhog Day and you're doing the same thing, it's usually because we're stuck in our south node. Excuse me. So for you, your south node is in the sign of Taurus. 
Taurus is Netflix and chill. Taurus is like, yeah, build a page, sorted. I've got a roof over my head, grand. Okay, I've got money in the bank. That's okay. And uh, I'm safe. Am I safe? That's grand. Yeah, okay. Netflix and chill. Zone out, bottom out, done. Whereas Scorpio is like, dig, 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 dig. Scorpio is like, okay, what's the answer to that? I need to dig, 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 dig. And they're the ones that are figuring out the truth behind things, the mysteries behind things. But what happens with Scorpio is they get so obsessive and there's that word obsessive. They get so obsessive about digging. They kind of don't come up for air sometimes that they can nearly like get lost in the darkness of like searching around for things. So this access is like Taurus has given you this ability to be able to Netflix and chill Whereas Scorpio wants you to dig into the spiritual realms and get the, the meaning and understanding behind things that are hidden in life. But Taurus is like, yeah, but I'm just really tired tonight. And Scorpio is like, yeah, but there's all this really cool stuff over here that we need to figure out and we need to uncover. And Taurus is like, yeah, but I've had a long day. Do you know, that's the that's that access. Yours is in the second and eighth house. So the eighth house is like other people. So you're probably quite happy to like um, do a lot of the work with other people, but it's maybe more uncomfortable to do the work on yourself or probably, you know, it takes it will take normally till maybe around 32, 35. We start to go more towards our north node organically. We kind of pull between the two of them so the eighth house is all about merging with other and therapy and helping others and working with the other the second house is like my self-worth my self-value me doing the work so you've had lifetimes of helping other people doing the work with them this lifetime is asking and you could probably do it with your eyes closed but at some point what tends to happen is you then there's a lack of fulfillment that will come with that as a as a signpost to say you're getting stuck and when that lack of fulfillment comes in and says that you're stuck it's time for you to do the work on yourself which is like okay now I need to figure out what is my self-worth and my self-value and how do I um detach from the material physical things and place that value more on myself and my spirituality does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah that's one of the main things that I kind of uncovered from doing my first I did like a year of therapy like pretty consistently every couple of weeks I did it every single month anyway for for a year and that was a big theme of, of like you know I'd write down like what my well I did this last year as well but you know just wrote down what all my values were and then as well being like you know I don't need to you know have a six pack. I don't need to make a certain amount of money. I don't need to look a certain way. I don't need to, you know, have a certain car to be of value. You know, mm-hmm. the what's what actually matters is, you know, my values and being a good person and you know being kind and things like that. So it was like, um, you know, I can't think of the word off the top of my head, but it's just like that's what was important, you know, and just removing, you know, taking away the materialism and stuff, and then focusing more on that was a big part of the you know, my understanding, my value as a person, you know, so that was, that's, uh, that's beautiful as well, because um, Taurus is, is the sign that's most associated with like physical possessions. So when Taurus is, so Taurus quite often identifies with its possessions because it's almost like it sees its possessions as an extension of itself. 
So as a kid, if somebody took your stuff, it would be like, wow, you know, it would be like, it's almost like they took a part of you or if your parents threw a toy out and went, oh, he's done with that now. It's literally like losing a limb, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so Taurus kids tend to identify really, really strongly with their possessions. Um, and when you've got a South node and, and also money as well, money and finances and security being like financially secure is a huge thing for Taurus as well. Um, so when you've got this axis going from Taurus to Scorpio, it's opposite sign. It's literally, and you've just so beautifully said it, it's literally moving away from like the physical material things in life to the more spiritual, intangible things that you can't put your hands on. And when you release attachment from that and move towards your North Node um, where it's more kind of value on the spiritual side of things and you realize that the the attachment to the physical possessions can't give you that higher sense of fulfillment that's when you start to really really come into your nodes and life flows much more because the universe is like pasco collect hundred dollars you know you're doing the work um which is really interesting and i would imagine and um, that's been happening for yeah let's say the last couple of years because this little guy here uranus the planet of change has been uh transiting this for the last while so yeah um yeah very very interesting yeah i could like just relate to kind of everything that you say and uh the word i was trying to think of was self-worth you know i used to base my self-worth on you know how much money i could make or what i look like but now it's like i like i still focus on those things but they're not who i am they're just something that happens as a result you know i'm my self-worth is based off you know being a good person and you know being kind and you know all those things I mentioned earlier you know so Mm. and it's what I love about this is like you know we we barely for all intents and purposes we don't really know each other you know because we've only kind of met over Instagram we've only done the Zoom once before (laughs) like so this is not something that I could know or you know into it or it's but what I love is it's there in black and white you know it's like I know that it's like you're relying on me to read the symbols, but like I'm able to articulate parts that I shouldn't know, you know, which I just find this blew me away when I started learning astrology. I was like, really? You know, you can see parents like the parent axis is like the 10th and the fourth house. Your relationships is the seventh house, your day to day work routines. There's a bit of an escapist, I would say, in you because your day to day work routines, I would imagine it's probably hard for you to pin yourself down to do stuff because the sign of Pisces is in the sixth house of day-to-day work routines. Pisces are like, oh yeah, no, was I supposed to be there last week? Oh no, oh, sorry about that. You know, like Pisces just want to escape off into the fantasy realms and like hang out with the unicorns and rainbows in like far distant places. Like the idea of being stuck to a day-to-day is like, oh my God, that's just a nightmare, you know? Yeah, escapist is like a, a huge part of my personality because like for for years I'd literally go out every single Friday night every single Saturday night and go to loads of raves and events and you know I still love doing that but unfortunately it's not as much as it used to be but it's like once every two or three months now that I'll go to like a festival or I'll go abroad to do something like that yeah I would imagine you'd have to go into hiding for a while afterwards too because you've got this aspect from the sun to Neptune Neptune is the planet that rules Pisces so Neptune is the is Neptune and Pisces that have similar energies and you have this aspect going to your son so I would imagine that you're like oh yeah we'll go merge with loads of people and like be one with all these people and then it's like okay I need to hide out for about a month and just like (laughs) 
recharge the batteries as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Cool. Yeah. Stuff. And so like you keep going forever. There's just so much in it. And yeah. it can go, yeah, you can go really deep, which obviously I won't do here. But yeah, it's yeah, cool. It's, yeah, we've been talking for like an hour and nearly 20 minutes. So I know it was good we press record or you press record when we did. Yeah, no, it's been great to chat. And um if you want, we could definitely do uh we could have another chat in future on like maybe a different topic or, or a tangent of something that we haven't, you know, got to go through today. Yeah tangents um, are good I like like we had no plan even for today to where we didn't even know what we're gonna talk about so it's good yeah before I hopped on the call I was like oh maybe I should write something yeah. and I was like no nah. <laughs> like because I I just know like like going back to you know being intuitive like from the last time that we spoke you know everything just flowed very well you know and I think it's because we're both very open to things and you know pretty you know, confident that we know, you know, things are going to go well and we're not really worried about it, you know? So it's like, it's interesting with different people, depends on what stage of life they're at. And that's not to do with their age. It's to do with, you know, how much work they've done on themselves, but it's interesting how you can talk to somebody and it just like flows and it's like, there's no effort. It just happens. And then other people, it's like you're trying to take blood out of a stone. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you know, yeah, this. <laughs> do you know, that's astrological as well. It's so interesting because you have your Mercury, the planet of communication in Gemini. And I'm a I'm a Virgo and I'm ruled by Mercury as well. So that's the it's like you can literally see if you put two people together and you look at both their charts, you'll actually be able to see whether they'll just get each other or not. Like, it's so interesting. Yeah, yeah we could talk forever it's matching like the the same kind of energy you know um yeah which is it's hard to find that in people you know finding someone with the same kind of energy but also similar similarly aligned kind of interests as well so yeah. yeah and I like the fact that there's like you're doing the more the you're doing the physical with the psychology side of it or the psychological side of it should I say with the physical and I'm doing more the kind of spiritual emotional kind of side with the psychological side which it's mm -hmm. interesting then because we get to learn from each other which is cool yeah for sure and religion is something that and spirituality is something i have a lot of thoughts on for many different reasons so maybe we could talk about that more if we do oh yeah i like that too yeah i'm all, all up for the good chats organic yeah, yeah for sure cool sounds good well i have the recording of this you know so i'm gonna upload it uh, to YouTube I'll take the recording from that as well and I'm gonna I've been thinking about setting up a podcast for the longest time so I think I'm gonna call it like the holistic health podcast or something like that so this would be episode number uh, two because I recorded one with a friend of mine Danny a few months ago um, but I was just trying to think of what I was going to call it and when I'm going to do it so um, yeah I'll let you know when that's up and uh, I'll include you know some of your your links down below as well so I'll put your Instagram in and um, if you want to send me over something on Instagram of like where you get you know people to book in whether it's for Reiki or astrology sessions or whatever I'll put that in the in the info for you know the YouTube video as well as the, the podcast cool. wherever yeah. you know I end up posting it so yeah I'll send it over to you as well I have a podcast as well actually I haven't done the second series of it so I might post your video and share it on there as oh, well oh yeah <laughs> you you can take the recording and everything I'll send it over to you and uh, you know, yeah. yeah like you same for you you send me over your links and we'll do the same thing as well cool yeah sweet nice well I hope you have a great day and uh we'll chat again soon
Cool. Talk to you later. Thanks. See you. Bye. Bye.